Hello again, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Cotton Grow Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. I'm Jim Stedman, editor of Cotton Grower, and today we're going to get one grower's perspective about what it's been like to farm during this year's drought in Texas. While I was visiting the West Texas area several weeks ago, I had the opportunity to sit down and visit with Ian McIntosh, a cotton and wheat grower in Floydata, Texas. Ian's been farming for 22 years, and he's seen good years, bad years, and pretty much everything in between. We talked about his farming operation, what farming through a record-breaking drought has been like, and also about that ever-continuing optimism for what's ahead. We'll hear Ian's story following this short message from this episode's sponsor, our friends at First Fire Safety. First Fire Safety is a fire protection company based out of Austin, Texas. We have developed a foam fire suppression system specifically designed to protect the John Deere Round Bale Cotton Harvester. We install this system and train operators all over the world. Be fire ready with a First Fire Safety fire suppression system. Call today for more information and pricing. 512-777-1555. Twenty twenty two will long be remembered in many parts of the cotton belt as the new benchmark for drought years. And one of the hardest hit areas was the Texas High Plains, which enjoyed a rare bountiful cotton harvest in twenty twenty one, thanks to timely rains and an open harvest period. But lurking underneath all that success was the foundation of the driest year that region has ever seen. When the rain stopped in late August last year and just didn't come back before during and after planting time this year, well, it was a recipe for disaster. So how bad was it? That's the worst thing about a drought Mm -hmm. is it does not cover any of your mistakes. Yeah. You make a mistake and everybody will see it and ask, what happened there? Don't ask. That's Ian McIntosh, a fourth generation farmer in Floydata, Texas. The family farm covers about 7,500 acres of farmable ground with 2,500 to 3,500 acres of cotton, and usually a similar amount in wheat. He'll also add grain sorghum when he needs to split his limited pivot irrigated ground between cotton and another crop. Like all family farms, there's a grand history behind it. I am the fourth generation farmer. My great-grandfather came up in the late 20s to farm this land, and he was actually in Miami and they moved up here to start farming this for his dad. They bought it off the railroad. And then uh, he was, it was all wheat farm at that point. And they would sow the wheat and then they would head to Arizona and spend some time in the warmth and then come back and harvest the wheat, do all the summer work. And then my granddad who married into the family, he was more of a engineer type He didn't necessarily want to farm, but my great-grandfather suggested that it's a good way to raise a family. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was just getting transferred out of Sweetwater or Snyder, working in a gypsum factory and going to move up north when my great-grandmother said, no, no, come back and try this. So he initially started with 100 acres of cotton just into that. And then as dad grew up, he raised four kids. As dad grew up, went to UT and decided he wanted to come back and farm and then i've just grown up the fact that's the 
house I grew up here with barns. Yeah. And uh, I just, I knew from, oh, I guess nine or 10 years old, I wanted to farm. And here we are today. I, Dad and I formed a partnership in 2000. Mm -hmm. And in 17, he got out and my wife came in. And this is my 22nd season of farming. Last year was a good year for Ian. The best, he says, he's ever had. Thankfully, it gave him a cushion going into 2022. We averaged a bale and a half across the farm. Mm -hmm. And that coupled with, I had half of my cotton marketed through a pool. Mm -hmm. And the other half was, I could sell as the price was skyrocketing. Yep. So I had some unbelievable cotton sales that I have never seen. So you put that with a good yield and you've got enough to pay off some debt. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what did it. And of course it didn't happen in the end. It was all in the beginning. Right. Cause I remember we went to a friend's barbecue on Memorial day and we had just gotten a rain and we had just started getting those rains. Last year was so late. We were planting into mid June and our cutoff is June 5th. Right. And we were planting up into the 15th to the 17th just because it was so wet. Well, this is going to be a disaster. We're so late. And then to have the right rains and the right fall just turned to cotton. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the best harvests I can remember. Just counting the bales. <laughs> one of those where you stand back and just smile. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. <laughs> then came the long-term effects of La Nina. No rain, relentless heat, horrible, almost impossible growing conditions this year. As far as growing the crop, thank goodness for crop insurance. Mm -hmm. Or two things. I had an unbelievable year last year. I had just, we rung the bell. It was the best farming mm -hmm. year I've ever had. That helped me into this year, which once we lost, I've lost half of my dryland right now. And having the insurance come in has really been great for me. Mm -hmm. As well as I'm not sucking wind out here. Um, I know I can make it at least into next year and beyond, we'll see. Yeah. So it's, and that's all I ask for. I'm very comfortable right now, mm -hmm. uh, even though it's been a disastrous year. We've had to pump so much irrigation water on the cotton that we've, it's some of the best cotton I've got because we've had so much heat, mm -hmm. but we have dumped a ton of money into it, keeping the pivots going, the drip going, and even some of the fields that we have pumped all summer will still not meet the insurance guarantee on that crop. So I'm still gonna be raising this crop, harvesting it, and turning it into insurance because I didn't make the yield. And, and that is the most discouraging part of the whole year. Mm -hmm. But then you've got the encouraging side of, I've got a couple of half circles, the best I've ever grown. So it's, it's hard to get too down in the dumps over it. Yeah. It's, I can't complain. The comparisons to the last record sitting drought in 2011 were inevitable, but there was one primary difference that made 2022 tougher for growers. My opinion, it was worse because we didn't have any underground moisture to begin with because we started in, I guess, August of 21, the rain shut off and it didn't rain until May of 22. Mm -hmm. So even though we had this nice band of moisture to plant into, there was nothing underneath. So it, 
it was worse than 11 because of that, because you had hope when you really didn't have any. <laughs> and that's just it. It's been a struggle. Like I said, I lost half of my dry land acres to the drought initially, but I should, I'm hoping to take the rest of it out by the 15th when they do the bowl count. Mm -hmm. It's been that bad. It's just, it hasn't been fun. It, it's kind of depressing. I hate to be depressed. I like to laugh and have fun, but it's been a struggle this year. <laughs> Ian will be quick to tell you that keeping things simple in his farming operation has always paid benefits, even though he'll be quick to remind you that farming on the high plains is almost like having Vegas in your backyard without all the lights. During a severe drought year, his philosophy of simplicity quickly became an advantage. Out of simplicity, I have gone 100% phytogen with the enlist traits in it, just mm -hmm. for the simplicity. I don't want to have to worry when I send somebody to go spray a field, oh, what variety did we plant there? It doesn't matter, just spray it. Uh, so that, I try to keep things simple. That's my philosophy, which yeah. doesn't always work out, but that's what I try. And uh, I just love the, the mid-season varieties are best for this area. Because mm -hmm. some of them, the best cotton I've got is also touted as a dryland variety. And that's what I love. It's simple. It's simple at planting time. You're not going, oh, what, what variety are we going to plant on that half circle? Yep. Grab the box and go. Yep. <laughs> so it's just, I like trying to be as simple as possible. And it's, it's working out okay. Last year, Ian averaged a bale and a half across 2,400 cotton acres. With this year's harvest still at least a month away, what does he think about prospects for this year's crop? That is tough to say. I would... I was thinking I had about 800 acres that I will harvest. Mm -hmm. And I am hoping that that will average two bales. And it's going to be real close because I've got some that I think is a lot better, mm -hmm. but then I've got some that is considerably worse. So yeah. uh, in my planning, I'm thinking if I can get two bales, that's, that's not too bad. Yeah. So we'll see. And once again, I, I feel fortunate that we are coming off of my best year ever farming. So I have just been loving every minute of it, even though it's, uh, like I said, it is depressing, but it's just been fun to try and salvage what you can out of what we're given. Yeah. And it's kind of like, that's, that's, I guess that's been a surprising aspect of this. Had I not had such a good year last year, uh, this would be absolute disaster just horrible trying to survive this drought but luckily 2021 carried me through yeah and i was like oh okay well this that feeling of security of kind of okay we're not gonna make a lot of money this year but we're okay yeah we're okay we don't have to stress that we're losing a ton of money in yeah. this dry land field yeah. and irrigated it's kind of no just don't make any big mistakes or decisions based on this year. Right. Just survive. Yeah. Uh, and that's been, uh, so not surprising, but just, it's been okay. Do the best you can. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. And that's rare to say. <laughs> I'm always worried. <laughs> In good years and not so good years, Ian's fortunate to have good help on hand. In some cases, it's right next door. I've got two guys helping me. 
Okay. And uh, dad is instrumental. I mean, he's the number one hired hand mm-hmm. and the best because I don't have to pay him anything. So it works out great. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so no, he loves running the cotton stripper and the combine. Yeah. So as, as long as I can take care of everything else, uh, when it comes time to harvest, he's the first one on the machine and mm-hmm. he's got it. Farmers are always eternal optimists. Despite the results of the current year, they're always eager to look ahead fondly to next season. And Ian's no exception. Here's why. For the last 10 years, I keep telling myself, if things, the weather would just go back to normal, it'd be so easy. I say that every year. Uh When we're struggling, digging in the seed, if we can just get a normal year, it'll be... That's at least been 10 years. I'm saying that in May. This is not normal. (laughs) (laughs) I hope for a normal year. (laughs) No, uh, I would hope that the prices on all commodities will stay up high enough where we can truly think about making money off of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I really don't anticipate changing a whole lot. It'll still be the same amount of acres of cotton and wheat. Uh, I will, I do like growing grain sorghum and I would like to plan on doing that early. But once again, the the last two years, that has been the plan that I was going to plant Milo in April and get it established first and then come in with cotton. But we've been so dry that I'm not going to start the pivot Mm -hmm. to pre-water for Milo ground. So uh, that would be my only hope for next year is that we have enough moisture leading into planting season that I can plan Mm -hmm. in January what I'm going to do. So, but uh, my varieties of cotton will stay the same. Mm -hmm. I I don't get excited about the latest and greatest. Uh, I'm glad they're out there trying to incorporate new stuff, but you know, I just, Give me what I know, part of my simple nature. I started buying quite a bit of chemical to store in the barn mm-hmm. for fear that we would get to growing season and the suppliers are going, hmm, sorry, we can't get it. So I bought a little more than I would have liked up front, but even that, once again, it all worked out because we didn't have the crop. It was so bone dry right. that I was able to use up what I'd bought and now I'm mm-hmm. back down to my normal inventory. Now the supply line backing up and things hard to find, I think that's gonna be a real issue. So it's, you know, I'm gonna get the welder and the skills picked back up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. Special thanks to Ian McIntosh in Floydata, Texas, for graciously sharing his story and experiences this year with me. Thanks, too, to First Fire Safety for their support of this podcast. And as always, thanks to you, dear listeners, for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you like what you hear on The Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your friends about this podcast. Here's where and how they can find us. You can find The Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, 
that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. The Cotton Companion Podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio. I'm Jim Stedman, and I'll be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Until then, stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made it for me.